Welcome to Business Talk Sister Doc. I'm Ruthie. And I'm Becca. Today we're going to be talking about eBay. So Becca has uh, been working with eBay for a long time now. I'm more new to that, kind of had, had some successes and some not so successes. So we're going to just talk about some things that I have questions about and hopefully there's some things that you can learn from this. So our first question is, how do you decide that something is worth selling? So first of all, it has to be something that is a right price point. I think that's part of it. Um, Within that, I think um, size matters. I've been just looking a lot at things that are smaller than say the size of um, a shoebox. I think that that's important unless you're selling in bulk um, because when you have something smaller, it's gonna weigh less and it's gonna be easier to ship. Um, so that's kind of where I usually start is what is its size and then what is it worth? Um, I, I guess that's kind of how, where I start with that. I also kind of look at, if I see something that I'm like, oh, this might be valuable, um, I'll look at it and look on eBay. So I have the app, eBay app on my phone and I'll search whatever it is, the actual model number or whatever in eBay to see if I can find it already for sale. But then I then filter by sold items. So the reason I do that is because a lot of people will say, oh, well, my grandmother gave me this clarinet and on eBay it's selling for $400. And when you actually like filter by how many have sold, um, you'll see that maybe the last one that sold was like two years ago, like 2018 or whatever, 2015. And you're like, yeah, this is not actually selling. And when it did sell, it sold for like $7.99 or something. So um, frequency of selling is another thing to know. Even this is, I do all of this even before I pick it up and I'm like, yep, I'm going to go buy this. So this is all stuff I do while I'm just standing there looking at an item, whether it's like a garage sale or um, a thrift store, maybe I'm at the actual store in the clearance section, whatever it is. Um, I'm looking at that first, even before I pick up the item because I'm trying to figure out if it's worth it um, in, in terms of does it actually sell, right? And so when you find, um, the item is going generally around, if you can see that a couple of them have sold within like the last few days or within the week, um, you know that there's pretty good movement on the item. Now eBay doesn't like show you every sale that's happened because obviously that would be like proprietary information and they'll probably give you a smattering of this is what's been selling, um, but it'll give you the sold price um, or it'll say this person purchased it um, for, they had an offer so it was lower than whatever it was but they won't tell you what lower meant so you kind of have to look in between the lines of what the price point is then you have to take okay it's sold for I know for sure there was a couple of these that sold for around let's say 20 bucks and right now you can buy that item for let's say ten dollars so if you're buying it for 10 and you're selling it for 20, is it worth it? Now, it depends on how much those people sold it for, for the shipping, 
were, did they pay shipping themselves or did they have free shipping? Um, if you're paying shipping, you can expect to pay at least three to eight dollars an item, uh, depending on what it is, the weight of it, and how fast it's going to get there. So that's another thing you need to think about um, in terms of, is this something that's going to give me a good return on investment? A general rule of thumb for me is if I can see three of those items that have sold within like the last week and a half, two weeks, I'm like, okay, that's moving pretty fast. And then if I can take it and double the money on it, so if I buy it for $5 and I can sell it for $10 with the buyer paying for the shipping, then I know that the eBay fees are not going to destroy my entire profit margin. Now, that would be like only probably after you get your eBay fees and your PayPal fees, maybe $3 profit, $2, um, which is a pretty low markup if you're thinking about, oh, I want to package all of this myself and sell it. Um, because then you have to think about your packing tape, your printing costs for your uh, package labels, as well as your receipt, like inside your packing slip. Um, I probably spend like $50 in ink for my printer every um, couple months, like not couple months because I do eBay on and off, but you really have to factor those things in too to see if, if $2 is really worth it for you. Um, so those are kind of all the things that I factor in at the very beginning, even before I pick something up off the shelf. Okay. And then once you have something listed, so say you went through that process and you um, figured out what would be worth it. Once you have something listed, when do you decide to make changes to the listing? Like how long do you wait before you decide like, oh, I should lower the price because it's been sitting here for too long? Yeah. So the very first thing you should do even before lowering your price is when you look at the sold category. So you should never list a similar item if it's just you found it on eBay. Oh, yep. There's one. I'm going to list one too. You should always create a listing duplicate basically of a sold item. So you go into the sold item, you view it, and then you say sell similar product. Um, so you basically duplicate that listing and upload your own images um, as well as like tweak the category. So maybe like they sold it and it was a blue one and yours is green or whatever. You, you make sure that all the item description looks correct. Was it new versus used for theirs? All that kind of stuff. And then um, so I, I always try to test out different keyword models first, even before changing my price um, because if you just don't have the right keyword in place, you're missing a lot of traffic. Um, so like I had something listed that was electronics based and I was looking at, okay, this is what someone's selling it for. But if it's a pretty well-known name brand product, you're just going to use the name brand within there. That also usually means there's going to be a lot of competition. So if it's that kind of product, it really is going to come down to price and your overall seller rating. Um, so the more you do with eBay, the more you're getting like reviews and people are saying, yep, this is a good quality seller. Um, and if you're doing your shipping like right away, because eBay actually gives you, I think it's like two to three days for processing time once someone has purchased something. 
But if you have someone buy something and you ship it out like within a day or two, uh, people really like that and then you get a lot of good reviews, right? So having good customer service is important in it to, to get you higher and that's actually gonna help you not have to finagle with price way more than it is to just be doing competition on price. Um, so that's kind of how a lot of people will get um, an advantage over you in that is the keywords and as well as um, their seller rating. But then when I finally look at price, because price is the ultimate last thing I want to look at after everything else, because that's basically eating my profit margin, right? Mm -hmm. So when I finally look at that, I'm looking at what is everyone else selling for? What is the difference between quality? If there is any, like is my new versus used? What are they selling? And then if it's really just, nope, they're the exact same product, we have like they're both brand new or whatever um then i start looking at okay can i drop it by a few pennies or whatever or is there a way that i can alter this by saying i'm going to do a cheaper selling point but i'm going to charge more for shipping um so like there's multiple filters within ebay you can also jack up your price and then like give free shipping um which a lot of people do and it's very successful because a ton of people only search eBay by free shipping only because they don't mm -hmm. want to pay for shipping. Um, but actually, I mean, when you talk about who's making a ton of money on eBay, it's PayPal, eBay, and the shipping company. And I would say out of everyone, the shipping company is making like the most money out of everybody, unless you're selling like a really high end product. Um, where you're getting a good return on investment and you got it for a really good deal. Um, so yeah, if anyone ever started like a small shipping company just for like the Midwest or like a different region of the United States, I think speedy delivery totally has it down right now. They, they are so much cheaper than the U S postal service, but they only ship to the Midwest. So that's kind of a bummer. Anyways, <laughs> shipping is a serious market for making money. <laughs> okay. Uh, and what other uh, selling sites have you used? How does eBay compare to those other selling sites? Yeah, so um, Amazon has like a seller number that you can see, okay, this category, this item um, is selling for this, it's, it's this seller rank. So, um, and I think this is in our resources section on our tools and tips page of our website as well, that there's um, this tool by Jungle Scout that you can use to like, copy that seller number, seller rank number for the category, and then see how many units of that are selling on average per month to see, is this actually selling? Um, I like that eBay has that functionality within it. Um, I've done a little bit with like Mercari and um, a couple other um, used item platforms. And what I like about eBay is that it has, um, now they have the feature where you can take a picture of your item and it actually will help you superimpose a background, like a white backgroundless image to make it look more professional. Um, so I really like that. They're, they're doing a lot of like upgraded features to help you look more professional if you are just selling it from your house or something. Um, I think that probably because eBay is so big, they have um, the claim usually always goes to the customer. Like they're going to credit the customer and they can just like 
straight take your money back out of your PayPal account and refund the customer, um, even if the customer's lying. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I do like that you can set your package size and weight and everything within eBay. Um, whereas like Amazon, you can do that too, but usually Amazon standard shipping fee is like $3.99 for books and stuff, or I think it's $2.99. Um, so that's, that's been like, okay, I don't know if I like that entirely. I also don't like that Amazon updated some categories where they they make you um, pay like a dollar listing fee if your item sells. Whereas like if you're not doing the special descriptions and everything within eBay, you can list for free. Um, and they're just taking their straight commission, which is around 15% um, plus PayPal. So like both, both Amazon and eBay have um, commission fees that they charge. Um, they're about the same amount but I like that Amazon auto deposits to a bank account, whereas eBay, you have to use a go between. So you use PayPal to go between it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then how do you keep track of the items that you are selling? So how do you stay organized with that? Like your uh, payments and stuff like that and buying and selling and what's making profit and what's not, what ways do you stay organized like that? Yeah. So there's reports within eBay that show you like how much you paid for shipping, how much you paid for um, like your fees and stuff. You just need to record personally what you bought your item for because eBay doesn't know that, right? So within that um, tracking, okay, I bought these things. I store all my stuff in one place that I'm selling so that I can keep track of, okay, I bought this at a thrift store for $2. I sold it for $15. Um, but with the fees then I can backtrack that and say, okay, this is how much I actually made. And I usually do that on like a monthly basis because, um, eBay will actually send you like eBay will let you get paid straight away into your PayPal account. And then on a monthly basis, they send you an invoice for all of the things that you've sold online. And then you have to pay their fees for selling. Right. So never take your money out of PayPal until you get your invoice. Um, from eBay to make sure you get that paid for before you go out and spend whatever money because some of it's theirs and you haven't paid for it yet. Um, in the transfer process, PayPal takes their cut right away. So you don't have to worry about that, which is nice. Um, but yeah, so doing that on a monthly basis is good. Yeah. All right. So now as we transition to the sister doc portion of our website, I just want to say thank you, Becca, for um, giving us that update on eBay and selling on different platforms as well. Uh, and today we are going to talk about some experiences that we've had with a little tooth numbing tube that you can buy at Walmart or anywhere else. Oh. So, yeah, it's called Origel. Um, Becca, you start. We'll talk about your story and then why. Okay, so I don't know if you've ever heard of Origel. That's probably like the brand name for it. Mm -hmm. There's like probably off brands that you could buy. Um, but it's like this stuff that you're supposed to put on canker sores in your mouth um, to keep them from like hurting. It's supposed to just like numb it. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to, we were on a, at a, um, we went on a trip with a bunch of kids and um, one of the leaders of the trip had brought some with and he started like putting it on people's like forks and stuff or like their cups when nobody was looking. And 
one of the one of my other friends was like sitting at our lunch table and he was talking about this like fruit and he's like you know I don't really want any of that because it always makes my tongue feel weird and this lady's like yeah it's that's actually happening to me right now like I didn't even know that was a thing maybe I'm like allergic to it or something and she was like kind of freaking out and then he's like yeah I, I put gel on your fork <laughs> So definitely is a weird experience. But Ruthie, so I told Ruthie about this, and then she decided to test it out for herself. So she's gonna tell us well, a little bit about that. Actually, it's it started in high school, like of doing it to my uh, my basketball team. I we would all had little straws on our water bottles, so I would put it on our water bottles during practice. And I was doing this for like a couple of weeks until one time during class, I did it to one of my um, one of my friends. I took some classes at the high school, and so I put put it on one of my teammates' straw, and she was like, "There, who was drinking my water bottle? There is chapstick all over it. <laughs> this is disgusting. And then everybody was like, um, what? Like, no one has drank any water bottle. And then I just couldn't keep it anymore. I left and then told her, and then she told everybody else. And they're all like, what the heck? We thought we were, like, allergic to the water or something. <laughs> And then, so then that transferred over to, there was a battle in our house where Aaron, our younger brother, had taken Orgel and put it on the cups. He got me every time. Like, I there, I remember one time distinctly, I was drinking um, this one, it was like some kind of juice, I don't remember, and he was like, yeah, I don't like that stuff. It always makes my mouth go numb. And I was like, no way, that's happening to me too right now. And he was like, Ruthie, I, I put Orgel on the cups in the cupboard. I was like, every single cup he put Orgel on. <laughs> and then, so I took some with me when I, my freshman year of college, and my, I had forgotten about it, and then I found it in, like, my stuff or whatever. And so then my roommate, um, I put it in her toothbrush, and then her aunt had given us some cookies and candy and stuff and a bunch of chocolate and everything or just like as a care package. And, but it was kind of older chocolate. So then she had brushed her teeth shortly after she had eaten this chocolate. And then the next day I was, I was eating some of the chocolate that she, her aunt had given us. And she was like, Ruthie, I think that that chocolate might be bad. Either that or I might be allergic to chocolate. And she is like so stressed out and I'm laughing hysterically. And she's like, you don't understand. I really, really like chocolate. Like this is, I can't be allergic to chocolate. And I'm just laughing and laughing and laughing. And she's like, it's not funny. It's not funny. And I was like, it really is. And she's like, why? Why do you think it's so funny? And I was like, because I put orange gel all over your toothbrush. <laughs> and she was like, you did what? <laughs> and then of course I had to like tell her and I was like you can't tell anyone you can't tell anyone because we've got to get other people so then we that like led to us pranking a whole bunch of our other friends and stuff and then which was like a whole another story but it was so funny and then it just became this chain reaction where we would try to like sneak into each other's dorms or be partner with each other's roommates and stuff and try to like prank each other and it was really awesome it was really fun I'm yeah. just like I didn't know you did that in high school because I was going to say, like, um, I'm pretty sure that if you were to do that now in high school, there would be, like, some kind of lawsuit or something. <laughs> like, you're just poisoning people or something. Anyways. 
Yeah. I looked it up to see what percentage of people are allergic to it before I started doing it. And I did couldn't find anyone that was allergic to Orja. So yeah. But thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, we appreciate your time and hope that you are all staying well. And if you guys have more questions about eBay, like we said, send us an email. Mm-hmm.